0: Uh, we're in Judges chapter 4, and every week when we go home, Caroline says, you should get someone else to do the reading, so they're not just hearing your voice all morning. And every week I come and think, oh, I've forgotten to do it again. So I'm reading again this morning. So chapter 4. We like the sound of your voice. Thank you. When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army army was Sisera, who dwelt in Harasheth Hagoyam. Perhaps it's better if I read them. (laughs) And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah was a prophetess, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up for her, uh, for her judgment. Then she went, sent, and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, the Kedesh, from Kedesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has the Lord God of Israel, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy tr- troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, and his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon. And I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. She said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heba, the Kenite of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent near the Terebinth tree at Zainim, or Zainaim, which is beside Kadesh. And they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from Harasheth Haggaiim to the river Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth Hagoyim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword, and not a man was left. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he had turned, her side, he turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then she said, he said to her, please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And she said to, he said to her, stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here, you shall say no. In jail, Heba's wife took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. And went softly to him and drove the tent peg into his temple. And it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come, I'll show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her her tent, there lay Sisera dead with the pig in his temple. So on that day God subdued Jabin king of Canaan in the presence of the children of Israel. And hand of the, store, the, sorry, the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. One of these stories that's um, uh, typical of judges, shall we say. And in this passage, we have two women playing a significant part. We have Deborah and we have Jael. And we consider each of these women in turn and the part they played in the deliverance of Israel. So firstly, let's consider Deborah. What does her name mean, Debbie? Um, Do you remember? Bee? bee, that's right. It means bee, as in bumblebee. Well, I thought perhaps working as a wife, judge, prophetess, she was as busy as a bee. Yeah. Or perhaps she had a sting in the tail. There certainly was with Deborah Deborah in this one. (laughs) And there certainly was for Sisera. What's amazing about this woman is that she's identified as the leader of Israel in verse 4. She's the fourth of the judges after Othniel, Ehud, the left-handed man, and Shamgar. And what's remarkable is that she's very much a woman in a man's world. She's the first woman in the Old Testament to carry such a position of authority. We looked at Miriam, who, who shared some responsibility. But Deborah is known as the leader of Israel, and it's so unusual within the times. Um, she had, she's the first woman in the Old Testament to carry that authority amongst God's people, and yet the scripture is clear on this point. She held court in the palm of Deborah, which was between Rama and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes settled. She was their judge and their ruler, effectively. What her background was, who her family were, and how she arose to that position are all unknown. What we do know is that she was respected and honored throughout Israel. We also know that she was a prophet. She had the ability and gifting to hear from God and to impart his word to the people. And this is what we see her doing in this passage, as she hears from the Lord about sending for Barak and and sending him out to fight against Sisera. She also had the ability to write and compose songs, and chapter 5 of Judges is the song that she wrote in response to all that happened in the victory that God gave them. Thus she's a woman of gifting whom God raised up to lead his people. And we know very few uh, few other women in in antiquity who held such a prominent position. Perhaps we could mention Artemisia of Charis, who fought with Xerxes at the Battle of Salamis. We could mention the Queen of Sheba. We could mention Hatshepsut, or Nefertiti, or Cleopatra of Egypt. Or even Boudicca of the Iceni. But one has to look far and wide for many others. Women... In prominent positions were unusual and yet this Deborah God raised up at the right time to carry the people of Israel and to take them into victory over the enemy. Now in the narrative the situation in Israel at the time of Deborah, time Deborah was a judge, was that the people had gotten into idolatry just as they'd been warned not to by by Joshua. He had said as for me and my house we'll serve the Lord But we're also told in Judges that every man did what was right in their own eyes. And the nation as a whole had got into idolatry and started worshipping the gods of the land of Canaan and the people around them. Just what they've been told not to do. And so Jabin, a Canaanite king, had exercised hegemony. He'd, He'd taken control of the area, of the region, and was subduing and oppressing the people of Israel. And this was about 160 years after Joshua's death. And his oppression lasted for about 20 years. And he he exercised rule through chariot warfare. The Israelites didn't use chariots until much later, the time of Solomon. But Jabin has these 900 iron uh, chariots. I mean, they're significant pieces of equipment. They're the equivalent in those days of tanks. I mean, they could just go straight through a troop. They were not easy to fight against. Now, Deborah was based about there. Um, which is 10 miles north of Jerusalem. Jabin was ruling from around there, that area. And Barak was from around that area up there. So we've got a sort of triangle there of where where all of this t- narrative takes place. Um, and this area here is was a plain, so they could run their chariots around without... Um, going up mountains and things and you can see the name Megiddo there which of course is where the final battle of Armageddon will take place because it's on the plains in Israel and while Deborah is sitting judging she hears from God that she must appoint Barak to lead the army so she sends for him and the fact that he comes once more underlines the authority and respect that she had amongst the people and Barak was from the north way up in Galilee Barrett was a proper northerner, you know. He's he's not one of these southern softies like the rest. He's a proper northerner, and he comes all the way down from Naphtali up in the north. And uh, hey, Deborah, let, let's go out to battle then. <laughs> sure <laughs> Th- thanks, David. Thanks for that word of uh, encouragement. <laughs> So David instructs Barak to get an army together and to deploy them on Mount Tabor. Now, Mount Tabor is around about there. So it's quite near Megiddo, but in between Megiddo and Kadesh, where, where um, Barak is from. So in between. But he gets them, you notice, he says, deploy them on the mountain. Why on the mountain? Because the they can't use the chariots. So they're up on the mountain, and Barak is assembling his army in the valley down below um, in this area. And Barak does does exactly as Deborah instructs him to do, except that we learn perhaps he's a bit of a scaredy cat. I'm not going unless you come with me. He wants her along as mutual support. Or perhaps he's so aware of her reputation and authority that he knows that it will bring encouragement to his soldiers that when she's there, they will come and rally to the cause. Whichever it is, she agrees to go with him, prophesying that the glory for the victory over Sisera will not go to him, but to a woman. And at this point, I would have suspected, we're all thinking it's Deborah who's going to get the glory. But it doesn't turn out to be that way. So the army of Israel are positioned on Mount Tabor. There's Barak with Deborah by his side. They're positioned on Mount Tabor. The army of Jabin with Cisera in charge are sweeping across the valley in their iron chariots. And at this moment, Deborah gives the battle cry and two things happen. Firstly, Barak and his army charge down the mountain towards the oncoming chariots. Secondly, we know that God routed the army of Cisera. Turn over to chapter 5 and verse 19 for a moment. This is in the song of Deborah, which is celebrating the victory. The kings came and fought. Then the kings of Canaan fought in Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. And they took no spoils of silver. They fought from the heavens, um, the stars from their courses fought against Sisera. The current, the torrent of Kishon swept them away. And the ancient torrent of the the torrent of Kishon, O my soul, march on in strength. Then the horses horses hooves pounded the galloping, uh, galloping of his steeds. And what it would appear to be that as they're running down the mountain, so a storm breaks out, and there's a flood in the river, and the river overflows, and the chariots are wheeling all over and can't make progress. So at the moment of of the battle be commencing, God sends the natural uh, the natural forces against them. The storm breaks. The chariots are useless all of a sudden, and the army that's careering down the mountain straight into the face of these chariots. Suddenly, the chariots are stuck in the mud and they're able to overcome them. God gave the victory at just the right moment in just the right way. He fought on their behalf because Barak was obedient, because he listened to the word that Deborah had received. Running at chariots would not be a very sensible thing to do. But because Barak was obedient, because he listened, God gave the victory we'll come back to that and then we turn to the other lady in this story Jael. there she is her name means mountain goat or gazelle which name she probably got as she grew up in the mountainous region she's the wife of heba who's one of the descendants of moses father-in-law thus while not actually israeli They had a long association with the Israelites. They'd come out of their area in Midian and they'd gone with the people of Israel through the wilderness. And then they'd entered the land. And then when they got in the land, they'd separated themselves off and and had their own area where they lived. We know from the narrative that she was one of that tribe, one of the tribe of Kenites. Um, But that they'd settled in the area near where Barak had been living. And we're told that Sisra actually fled to Kadesh, going back a moment. The logical thing, if the battle's there, was that Sisera would flee there, but instead he fled right up to where Kadesh, where Barak was from. Quite why he did that, we don't know. But he fled to where Jael and her husband had their tent. Their, Their tent was pitched in that area. And presumably she went there because Sisera was at peace with the Kenites and he expected to find refuge there. In fact, it seemed that she offered him refuge. And here we need to understand some of the Middle Eastern culture to understand the implications of this next part of the story. Firstly, everything connected with a tent was a woman's responsibility, from making it, to pitching it, to striking it. So women, when you're putting up your tents at one event this year, don't look to the men, it's your responsibility. <laughs> we'll just sit and, and exercise authority in the gate place. You can put up your t- No, no. But it was in that culture, it was the woman's responsibility, everything about a tent. So she would have been familiar with how to use a tent peg and how to use a hammer. Secondly, a deep part of medieval, medieval, Middle Eastern culture is hospitality, which she didn't show, I thought I'd vary the picture slightly. (laughs) Even if... A stranger were to seek you out for hospitality. It was and is the duty of a Middle Easterner to extend it. Sisera's arrival at the tent of Heber and jail is not therefore surprising. What she did to him, however, is. She lulled him into a false sense of security, giving him milk instead of water and putting a blanket on him while he slept. And all of that then stands in complete contrast with what happened next as she took the tent peg and nailed his head to the floor. We can only speculate as to why she did this. Maybe since she and her husband were living near where Barak was from, she had some sympathy with him or maybe even a friendship. Maybe it was because of the historical connection with the people of Israel through Moses. Whatever the reason, God used her to subdue the enemies of his people and to release the oppression of the Canaanite kings. There's a mystery in this. We don't understand and yet we know that God used her. And as prophesied by Deborah, God gave the the glory for the victory to a woman. So what are the implications of this story? What can we learn from these two women? Well, don't trust a woman with a tent peg is the first thing. (laughs) Don't lie down in the tent. (laughs) Tent pegs, Flintstones, all dangerous. Well, firstly, God is not interested in social convention or other limitations. He can use who he wants in his purposes, if they're willing. It doesn't matter that it was unknown for a woman to be a judge. God chose Deborah and raised her up to be a judge, a prophet, and a military strategist. Don't let anyone hold you back, ladies. If God has put a calling in your life and you're willing to step out with him, he can break down every barrier, For you to fulfill your calling. And that goes for the men too. Don't let anything hold you back. Social convention or any other restriction. If God has called you, you can do it. There is nothing in this world that can stop us except ourselves. But if we step out with God at his instruction, who knows what we can achieve? He may not be calling us to be a prophet, a leader or even a warrior. But whatever he's calling us to... In his strength, we can do it. Secondly, Deborah did not preempt the purposes of God. Clearly, she'd been in the position of a judge long enough to gain the respect of the nation. However, it was after 20 years of oppression, as the people began to cry out to God, that God then called her to, to bring that revelation, to appoint Barak as the commander-in-chief of the army. You see, God has a right time for everything. Everything. And it may not always be our timing. It may not be when we want things to happen. We can preempt if we step out too early. If we don't do things at the right time. If we stop listening to what God wants for us. But when we step out at the right time, we can be effective and have a victory. She waited 20 years as judge until God gave her the revelation. And then she stepped out. God has a right time for everything. And it may not always be our timing. But he sees the big picture and knows what, when the right time is to take action. Galatians 4, 3 to 5 says this. So also, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. It says in that that scripture, but when the fullness of time had come, or when the right time had come, God sent Jesus. He didn't send him a moment too early. He didn't send him a moment too late. He sent him at just the right time to bring about our salvation. And his return will be in the same, just at the right moment, according to God's plan. And God has a timing for everything. If we step out too soon, we preempt. If we step out too late, we might miss it. But if we listen and remain in obedience and learn and, and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and step out, God will give a great victory. God will help his purposes to be fulfilled. God will cause us to see that which is placed in our hearts. In the same way as the people of Israel were in bondage to oppression at the hands of Jabin, so we were unbond, under bondage in slavery to sin. But a, Just as God chose his moment and his vessels to deliver Israel, so at the right time he sent Jesus to release us from oppression and to adopt us as his own. Deborah knew the right time because she was listening to God. So too, if we want to know the right time to take action in our lives, we need to be listening to God and when he speaks to move. Thirdly, in the narrative... When the army of Israel went into battle, they did so in the strength of the Lord, and he did not let them down. As I said earlier, the idea of charging at oncoming chariots in ancient warfare was nuts. You just would not do it. Normally, they would have stayed on the mountain and had a standoff, or perhaps rained hours down on the enemy. But they, at God's command, uh, ran at the, the chariots Have you ever seen um charge of the light brigade that's the equivalent where the, you've got the guys on the cavalry running at, at cannon 600 set out less than about 200 actually survived as they're running at cannon that's the equivalent of what these guys were doing it was the charge of the light brigade they were running at chariots but they did so at the instruction of the lord and the lord gave the victory In the same way, we may think the battles we face are overwhelming. It may seem like victory is a long way off. In fact, it may feel like there's no way we can get through, whether that be in the workplace or in a home situation. But God doesn't leave us on our own. If we cry out to him, he will respond just as he did with Israel. Who knows what supernatural intervention is waiting around the corner for us and just as he intervened and sent a storm so he can intervene in our situations I'm sure as they charged down the mountain Israel had no idea that they were going to win this battle but suddenly the storm arose the rain poured down and the enemy was routed if it had been me running through that rain I'm sure the first thought in my mind would have been well that's all we need not only are we going to go to certain death but it's raining as well (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it may feel like things are getting worse before they get better, but keep faith in God. He's bigger than the circumstance, He's greater than the enemy, and He's able to make us overcome and become overcomers. The Lord is on our side, the Lord is with us, the God of Jacob is our stronghold. We will not fear. The story finishes with the song of Deborah and Barak, which is chapter 5. This was a song of celebration at the victory God had brought about on behalf of the nation. It was a song of thanksgiving to God for all that he has done. When we see the victory of God in our lives, we should never forget to say thanks. More than that, we should celebrate those victories so that others can also be encouraged and can draw faith from what they hear their own situations that's why our testimony is so powerful if God's done something in your life come and share it because others get encouraged and others say if they can do it then I can see a victory let's be a people who testify who give thanks and who who share the good things that God has done in our lives don't forget to give thanks don't forget to share it so that we can all be blessed and remember, God can use anyone. He can use you in his purposes. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the stories in your word of people who did great things. But Lord God, the reality that they were just people like, like us. And I pray, Lord God, that each one of us here might not miss the opportunities. Might not miss our calling. But might, Lord God, be listening to you, that we might step out and see mighty things done in our lives and in our situations. Pray your blessing on us now and for this week. Amen.